Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Sidney Powell and her The Renewal Conference coming up. Rafael Cruz joins me in studio and voting for freedom with their feet. And finally, of course, Merry Christmas. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I want to tell you about a very, very special conference coming up very much in the beginning of the new year, January 2022. It's January 8th, and it's in Florida. And it's a conference sponsored by Sydney Powell. She made a little reference to this. She was on the show three weeks ago or so, four weeks ago, and made reference to this idea that all the political victories we can come up with in the world, all the winning on issues, winning uh, candidates who want to get in office, they aren't going to be enough to turn around America, that in fact what we need in America is a spiritual renewal. And her conference is called The Renewal. And the subtitle she's had is Restoring America's Founding Covenant. I put on our website, americacanwetalk.org, under on the main homepage, under shows, drop down list of links, a link to buying a ticket for her conference. And I want to tell you that I was, I'm very inspired about it because it's a, the big, you know, bold underlined on the homepage of her conference says, this is not a political event. And she's talking about the basic idea, we can't solve the spiritual problems in America, we can't solve the problems facing America with simply political solutions. She quotes uh, the book of Daniel, Daniel 2.21, referring to God being sovereign. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So this is what Sydney is choosing to feature on her website about this conference. And she says the renewal is a spiritual solution to the current state of affairs in our land. Recovenanting and reconciliation combine to be the next biblical step in this five-step renewal process. And she lists repentance, reconciliation, restoration, revival, reformation. I want to call this to your attention because many, many people have fabulous political conferences. I often call them to your attention, urge you to go if you can, or pay attention, listen later to it. But she's really focused on the idea that even though she would agree with pretty much the entire conservative agenda, she wants very much for election fraud to be exposed. This is really the real Sydney. And you know, other times on this show, um, I have talked about the fact that she is often criticized certainly by leftists, but even by people on the conservative side of the aisle who will say, well, you know, she talked a lot about uh, Kraken and release the Kraken, and yet when we got around to election fraud litigation, we didn't seem to get anywhere. She has been the victim and the recipient of a wide range of criticism, mockery, attempt basically to destroy her and silence her. She is the most rock solid, consistent, persistent, relentless, patriot and relentless Christian believer that you will ever meet. And I'll tell you, because she is a personal friend, you know, sometimes I message her about things and she's really, really terse often in her response. Like I'll have a, you know, three or four sentences and she'll respond with yes, 
or no. It's kind of like I make a joke about how my husband and our two adult sons, if I send long text messages and I say, uh, blah, 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 and they respond with like one word or you know three words, I don't know. And I, I used to say, yeah, send them back, um, M-O-F-W, man of few words. Sydney's like that, very terse in, in her responses often because she's extraordinarily busy. But whenever I text and say, I'm praying for you, I'm thinking of you, I understand what's happening, I'm praying for you, always get say thank you so much I really need that she's an earnest earnest Christian and I'm grateful that she is just this is a brave thing to do by the way in the world of political conservatism when people just want to have more conferences about election integrity which is important and border security which is important and COVID policy which is important this is just saying you got to get back to the basics so again it's January 8th in Florida and on our website you can go and find out how to buy tickets for it by the way, another signal she really wants us to be about not making money, but about the message is $25. That's how much it costs to register, uh, unlike most conferences in the hundreds of dollars. So I wanted to call that to your attention to urge you to uh, consider going there if you can uh, and supporting her. And, um, and if you can't go, I'm sure later they'll try to put most or all of it online. This is really a statement about the kind of person Sydney Powell is, that she's organized this event, great speakers coming. I urge you to look at it and consider going. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so today's our last show before Christmas. It's amazing. Um, I wanted to tell you briefly our schedule, which is, so today, obviously I'm doing the show, uh, no show tomorrow, and so we're gonna have a holly jolly Christmas at our house. Um, and so we're not gonna have, an, I'm not doing a show again until Thursday, December, 30th. So it's a week from tomorrow is that next show. And Thursday, December 30th, our guest in studio is going to be Congressman Louis Gohmert. If you listen to my show very often, he's been on numerous times. We're going to be talking about his efforts. Uh, he is running and challenging in a primary the current attorney general in the great state of Texas, uh, Louis Gohmert, very principled guy, very patriotic. So I wanted to have him come on. And, and he's a good friend. So I wanted to come on and talk about that because it's you know, it's raised some eyebrows, some concerns in conservative circles. So that'll be the show. And that is the only show between now and the beginning of January. So no show again until, I want to make sure I'm getting it out clearly, no show until Thursday, December 30th. And after that, I'll be back the first week of January, Monday, January 3rd, rocking and rolling on our usual schedule, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. Okay, so we have, I mentioned at the start, we have Rafael Cruz, he's in studio, which is always a great thing. And, um, I really want to just tell you one reason I wanted to have him on. I, I, um, you know, I've mentioned before in the show that uh, I wrote a book called Ladies Can We Talk? And the way I got to know Rafael Cruz very well, this is the dad of a Senator Ted Cruz um, and a local or Dallas area person. Um, I got to know him because when I wrote that book, it was speaking to women about, you know, please shape up and vote conservatively and vote for limited government and vote for constitutional government. And someone had the great idea, why don't I have it translated into Spanish? Which I decided to do, and Rafael Cruz, uh, I was grateful he was available and interested in the project, so he did, we did that translation. He did that translation. We talked a lot about the ideas in my book and what I was trying to say. That's how I got to know him as really, a, he, he's a family friend, just appreciate him very much. Uh, but he's also someone who's been very outspoken politically, not just in support of his son, Ted Cruz, as he ran for Senate, 
but at, he's a very popular Tea Party speaker. He's a very popular speaker in speaking at pastor's conferences uh, where he's bringing, you know, he is a pastor um, and he's also a, uh, you know, a person who grew up in Cuba and understands firsthand the evils of communism, understands how it changes life for everyone, how socialism and communism are just, are just uh, evil ideas no matter how much the left seems to, seem to, seems to like them to be trending that way. So I want to talk with him about here where it nearly, it's nearly Christmas um, and how he sees the last year in America, what he's talking about as he goes around, uh, and just as kind of a great celebrate Christmas show. So I'm going to welcome to the show, Rafael Cruz. Hello, sir. Debbie, so great to be with you. Great to see you, sir. Well, you know, I'm going to jump right in. I, I know you've, you've done great things in speaking for Ted and great things in speaking at um, tea parties. I've heard you speak at those kind of events. But you speak at pastor's conferences, and I think you actually try to organize them. So, you know, and I know I'd love to have actually tell the story of the founding of America, how pastors in America didn't just sit home and read the Gospels uh, out loud. They actually got involved. So I guess to start with, what do you focus on at the pastors' conferences? And then we can go back to the founding. Well, let me just start by what you said about Sidney Powell, about renewing our original covenant. You know, before the pilgrims got off the boat, they penned a document called the Mayflower Compact, and it started by stating their purpose for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That was our first goal. And then it continues, in the presence of God, we covenant and combine ourselves together to form a civic body politic. In other words, some form of government. Why? for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid. What are the ends aforesaid? The glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That is our foundation. I love that. I love that. And as you know, in my book and, and on this show, I've talked many, many times about the Declaration of Independence and how I always say, maybe you don't use this language, I always say it's the second most important document in all of world history after the Bible, but wherever you place it, this concept of America got kicked off at the real formation, they decided they're going to over, or attempt to overthrow King George, that we had rights from our creator. It was a, it was a beautiful uh, and complete turning on its head of how people thought about the rights of people and I and that how if we have rights from God then the government should exist to protect those rights not to define limit or scope them out I love to have your thoughts about that well first of all you know the actually the American Revolution didn't start in the 1770s it started in the 1730s with pastors like George Whitfield and uh, others that were actually getting the Christians awaken. As a matter of fact, if we look at the Declaration of Independence, I count 26 grievances against King George. But what most people don't know is that each and every one of those 26 grievances were preached from the pulpits of America for 10 years. 10 years, the pastors calling out King George for the atrocities that the British were perpetrating upon the American people. The question that begs an answer, David, where are those pastors today? 
I, I could not agree more. Where are those pastors? And sadly, uh, you know, I don't get way off in politics, but a lot have been co-opted by the social justice warrior mentality, the we exist as pastors to, you know, I don't know, fight against whatever the left kind of claims is the latest social justice issue. So the pastors have gotten, not all pastors, but many pastors have been turned to the side. It's easier to preach what the leftists are telling you should be your message and to preach the gospels. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, wokeism has invaded the churches. Yeah. And the fastest growing churches today are what are called seeker-friendly churches. That is a, a misnomer for spiritually weak churches that are where pastors are tickling men's and women's ears, more concerned with being politically correct than with being biblically correct. And as you say, just embracing the new social agenda whether it is uh, transhumanism or whether it is same-sex marriage or transgenderism, whatever it is, they don't want to offend anyone. And as a result, the gospel has been diluted. But it gets worse than that. You know, Proverbs 29, 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, people mourn. But how often do you hear pastors and Christians saying, Politics is a dirty business. I don't want any part of it. Well, why is it a dirty business? Because people of principle are not running for office, are not voting. It is appalling that according to George Barna, 50% of the people in the average church are not even registered to vote. And of the ones that are registered to vote, only 50% are voting. That means three out of four are not voting. Where is our responsibility as citizens? Yeah, I know. And actually, as to those kind of churches, those kind of thinkers, I, I love the idea of the power of prayer. I deeply believe in the power of prayer. But you can get to thinking, well, you know, I've done my part because I listened to a sermon and I went home and prayed about it and prayed about, you know, whatever the issue was. But I, I think prayer alone, I mean, I, I love prayer. I love Bible study. I'm not mocking religion. But prayer requires an action. Jesus didn't sit around in a cave and pray all day. He went out and he preached and he taught and he rebuked and he healed. I mean, he, he, he took action. As a matter of fact, you're so right. As a matter of fact, locking yourself for 40 years praying is not biblical. You know, I was meditating on prayer one time, and this is what the Lord gave me. Prayer is about five things. Number one is about communion. You know, most people prayer goes like this. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> fix this, fix this, fix this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so what what God impressed me is prayer should be primarily about communion with God. Worship should be the principal part of prayer. Intimate communion with God. And as you have an intimate communion with God, God will speak to you. I call that revelation from God. You, and after he gives you revelation, he gives you direction as to what to do, as to what he has shown you. Next, he empowers you to do what he called you to do. And number five is to get off your knee and go do it. And we're missing that. Yep. Prayer is not an end all. There's a time to get off your knees and put feet to your prayers. 
Yeah, you know, a good example in American history uh, that most people can relate to, a simple one is slavery. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, there was just, it wasn't enough to sit home and, and pray about it and say, this is really wrong, it sure should change. At some point, Christian, not all, again, not all Christian churches, but some pastors said this has to end. So you have to take action. Whatever it was, you had to do something more than just talk about it and, and pray about it. So it is, but today it's, a, it's the strangest phenomenon in churches because I know what you mean about churches. You use the expression, tickle their ears. Pastors can think, I want to make people feel at home in church and not offended and not, um, and not prodded too hard. So then they might you know, feel offended because I'm telling them, get out there and do something. They want to feel comfortable. But you know, David, that's not the gospel. Jesus wasn't like that at all. Jesus was in your face. He <laughs> really came strongly against the political establishment. And what was the political establishment? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, right. the priesthood, the high priest, the king, they were all puppets of Rome. Yeah. And they even had to prostitute their religion to accommodate worshiping Caesar as a god. And he, he came strongly against their religiosity. You see, the biggest enemy of Christianity is religion. Religion is our trying to impress God by what we do. Christianity is God reaching down to us. It's receiving Christ. It's receiving from Him. Yeah. Okay. So what, when you go to these pastors' conferences, is this what you talk about? Well, I, I actually talk about more than that. I talk a lot about American history. For example, going back, we all heard of Paul Revere. But people don't know that Paul Revere was going to a specific place. He was going to the church of Pastor Jonas Clark. The very first battle for our independence was fought right outside the church of Pastor Jonas Clark. All the colonists who died in that battle except one were members of that church because the pastor with all the men of the congregation were at the forefront of that battle. Battle after battle after battle. Pastors and their congregations were at the forefront of the battles. Where are those pastors today? You see, God has called us to be salt and light. But you are not salt and light if you're locked up inside the four walls of a church. It's time to take the church outside the four walls and be an impact upon society. You know, probably the biggest excuse that pastors give is separation of church and state. And that is so misconstrued. Where did that come from? Well, we have to go back 400 years to understand that. At the time when the King of England decided to rebel against the Pope in Rome and create his own church and become his own Pope. And he created the Anglican Church, the Church of England. Yep. And if you were not a member of the Church of England, you were persecuted. And that's what drove the pilgrims to America, to have the freedom to worship Almighty God. Now let's move forward 200 years. At the time when this constitutional representative republic is founded, all 13 colonies were concerned as to whether this new government was going to impose a state denomination upon we the people. The Danbury Baptists from Rhode Island wrote a letter to then President Jefferson, but he they were expressing the concern of all the colonies. And so Jefferson answers them back. And he says, believing with you that religion is a matter that lays solely between man and his God, that he owes account to no one for his faith and his worship. He continues, 
that the legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. He quotes verbatim from the First Amendment of the Constitution, and then he says, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. If you look at those three statements in context, it is absolutely obvious that Jefferson is talking about a one-way wall, a one-way wall to prevent government from imposing a state religion upon we the people, a one-way wall to prevent government from interfering right. with the free exercise of religion. In no way, shape, or form could we infer that Jefferson was saying for us not to get involved in every area of society. Jesus said the opposite. Jesus said you're to be stuck. As a matter of fact, it's very interesting. First, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And that's obvious. But a few verses later, he says, you are the light of yeah. the world. And I ask people, what are you doing with your light? Yeah. Are you hiding it under a bushel or are you raising it up high? Because light is the only thing that dispels darkness. darkness. And Debbie, we got a lot of darkness across America today. We do. Actually, this is a great, this is, that, thank you. That was very profound, very good. So this is a really good segue to thinking about where we are today with religion. Part of what's happened in America is over the last decades, I don't know when you say it began, but there's an effort by the left to drive religion out of the public square, out of the public school, kind of, and, and to kind of compartmentalize it. Just say, okay, yeah, you freedom of religion, go wherever you want on Sunday morning. We don't care where you go, but you know, don't think that it matters or that you have the freedom to act on your religion. And because people have been, have permitted that to carry sway, the Supreme Court has had various decisions that, that, uh, that it, it's, it seems where we've ended up is that not just Christian churches, but Christian individuals feel like, well, my personal faith or the, or the church's position has to stay over here and not be part of the body politic. It is a, it, it has really uh, taken hold, I think. And so you have people talking about, well, we should be able to teach the Bible in public school. I mean, Oops. not indoctrinate and say, you must you know, recite after me the Apostles' Creed. But you know what I'm saying is we, we have let it we let it soak in, and so this so what seems like normal advocacy you're saying sounds extreme. But you know, Debbie, again I go back to history. In 1962, the Supreme Court banned prayer in school. Yep. I'm sure there are people w watching us that remember when we prayed in school. Yep. It was so for almost 200 years until 1962 when it was banned. A year later, the Bible was banned, 1963, the Bible was banned from all public schools. What most Americans don't know is that the first Bible in America was printed by Congress and it became the principal textbook in every school from kindergarten to graduate school. It was so for over 150 years. Now here is the sad thing. In spite of these two abominable decisions, removal of prayer in schools, removal of the Bible, the church remains silent. Yeah. Their excuse is a political issue. Debbie, right, how can right, you right. call prayer a political issue? How can you call Bible study a political issue? But let me tell you the result of that silence. Teen pregnancy skyrocketed after 1963 and so did violent crime, all as a result of removing prayer and the Bible from schools. Absolutely. And this is a great topic because, right, we talked in the first segment about what Sidney Powell is doing and trying to have a renewal that is a, a broad-based renewal of American culture and American belief and religion and, and 
openness about recognizing our need for God's guidance and all of that, which I'm, I'm so thrilled she's doing that. But to this discussion we're having right now, in America today, the arguments that we face, all sorts of big issues, transgenderism, um, abortion, you could you know, run down issue after issue, and, and the, the, I'm gonna get this, the impact of the left pulling God out of the public square is that we no longer have a standard to establish morals and values. I mean, someone made this argument to me the other day, look, if you don't believe, if you're not a Christian and you don't believe the Bible and you don't believe that God made man in his image and likeness and you don't believe God made a male and female created he them, if you don't, you don't believe that, you have no basis to say there's anything, anything wrong with transgenderism. I mean, transgenderism, if you don't have a sense of identity from God, so, so you know, who are you to say that person over there that was born a girl really is a guy? Who are you to argue with that? If you don't have faith to give you truth, anything goes. Because you know, God doesn't make mistakes. If you make you a girl, <laughs> you are a girl. Oh, but, I know, but, but you know, the thing is this, people will find an excuse to do what they want to do. But you know, let's go back to fundamentals. We, you and I understand that we have a Marxist regime in Washington today. Oh, we're going there next. But yes. that <laughs> this didn't start today. You know, I became an active conservative. I was a conservative before, but I became very active because of Jimmy Carter. When I um, heard Jimmy Carter campaigning in 1976, that man sounded just like that bearded dictator I left behind in Fidel Cuba. Fidel Castro. And I realized Jimmy Carter is a communist. And let me tell you, the underpinnings of the Democratic Party, I did a program, a Facebook Live for an hour, comparing the Communist Manifesto with the Democratic Party platform. They're almost identical. And you got to realize communism needs to destroy the concept of God because government must become your God. There must be no loyalty to anything but almighty government. That is why also you see all this thing about transgenderism and all these other things because the concept of family needs to be destroyed so that there's no loyalty to the family. The loyalty is to almighty government. I couldn't agree more, and I'll tell you, I, you know, I think you know Virginia Prodan, right? I know yeah. her very well. Yeah, me too. She's So for our listeners, Virginia Prodan is an, uh, a Texan, actually, yay, she's Texan, but uh, she's a lawyer in Texas, but she actually grew up in Romania, and the short story of her life is that in Romania, she was also a lawyer, and she lived there under the time of the, com the brutal communist rule of Nicolae Ceausescu, and she suffered mightily under Ceausescu. She tried to represent churches and their right to hold meetings, hold services, and you know, in a communist country, as you were just hearing Mr. Cruz say, in communist country, they, they cannot tolerate religion. And she eventually, after uh, jailing, all sorts of other horrible things, made her way to America, went to law school again, she's a lawyer here. But she makes a point, and I used to not follow it like I do now. She always said, in communist countries, the government needs to be God. And that's why, because the discussion, the question came up in some speech she gave, well, why do communists always persecute churches? Why do they round up the priests and kill them? Why do they, and, and she said, because they have to be God. The government has to be God. And I didn't follow it then as much as I do now, because the whole thing about actual faith in God and belief in the scriptures, it defines your sense of truth and right and wrong. And government, in a communist controlling country, they can't have you doing that. They can't have you thinking, 
well, I know what's right because I've learned it in the scriptures. I've learned it through my prayer. And God, you, you, you have to have total fidelity to the government. And, and so, I mean, to me, it makes much more sense than it used to. Um, I, I mean, I can see how it, you get to the point. And it's always been the case since when communist government comes to power, they obliterate churches. So you came here from communist Cuba. You all know about, all about communism. Where are we in America in terms of on the path toward communism? We are very much there. I mean, you look at what's happening. We have a welfare state where it is the destruction of free enterprise, which is a biblical concept. Yep. And individual responsibility and hard work are biblical concepts. If we go back to the declaration about those three unalienable rights from our creator, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Note that happiness is not a right. The pursuit of happiness means you work hard for it. Yeah. It takes work, hard work, and perseverance. There ain't no free lunch. But you <laughs> see, what this administration is all about is handouts and make you a serf of the government, make you dependent upon almighty government. It's destroying individual responsibility and make you dependent upon the iron fist of government. And well, I mean, you look at it in every area. Look at all these COVID mandates. Look at about all these shutdowns where in California they said massage parlors are essential, marijuana shops are essential, but churches are not essential. And then we have had COVID mandates and mass mandates and mandates. And it's not about COVID. It's about control, government control of we the people and putting their thumbs over our necks. And we, they want us to subdue to almighty government. Couldn't, you, I could not agree more, could not agree more. And on the subject of welfare, you know, there's a beautiful idea uh, of you know, God being our creator, that each of us has a purpose and a place and, and, a, and a, a role to play in God's creation. And when you are a recipient of welfare, especially you know, decades of welfare, you really, you're not thinking about my place, my purpose, self-reliance, my ability to give my value to the society, because you don't need to do that. And you don't have to develop your God-given purpose, develop your gifts, whatever your talents and skills are, which is what you do in a free country and a free Christian country. But under this, under, under just long-term dependency on government, you're just waiting for the next check and all those beautiful God-given gifts are just withering away. And they just are doomed to a lifestyle life just total life line of continuing in poverty continuing in that dependency because there's no incentive to achieve your best right you have yes. a guaranteed minimum income and you learn to be complacent yep dependent complacent give you a fish a day you get the other one tomorrow you don't have to learn how to fish okay so so you are an observer of cuba of world politics you've spoken around the world looking at America. So I, I know you like the idea of Sydney's conference and kind of renewal, but how are we going to get ourselves back to being America? Like what, what, what do we have to do? Because I think, I think a lot of people are finally awakening, awakening to, and I agree with you, by the way, there, there's, you know, this much difference between the, I have been using the word Marxist, but the radical left wing, the radical left Marxist agenda and what communist countries do. There, there's hardly any difference. So how do we get out of it? Well, first of all, it goes down to individual responsibility. We gotta stop saying, you do it. <laughs> you know, every time you go like that, there are three fingers pointing at you. We need to come to where Isaiah came in Isaiah 5, 
chapter 6 where God says, Whom shall I send? And I said, say, I say, I said yep. Here am I, send me. We need to realize we have a moral responsibility. We have a stewardship responsibility yeah. over this great country of ours. This is the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a gift of God. Yep. But Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. We have a stewardship responsibility to make sure that America remains that shining city on, a, on the hill. Let me tell you a scripture that really, really burns in my heart. Okay. It's Deuteronomy 30:19. God says, I set before you today yeah. life and death, the blessing and the curse. And so as he says, so choose life. I mean, yeah. it ought to be an easy decision, but look at the rest of the verse. So choose life that you and your descendants may live. Debbie, we're not even fighting for you or for me. We're fighting for the future of our children right. and our children's children. And listen to me carefully, everyone that is uh, hearing. If we lose this battle, our children and our grandchildren will not have a future. That's what we're fighting for. We are fighting to preserve America for the next generation. You know, Ronald Reagan said it so eloquently. Yeah. Freedom is not free. Freedom is not passed down from generation to generation in our life stream. Every generation has to fight to preserve it and protect it. Or we may find ourselves in our later years talking to our children and our children's children about when it was like when men were free in America. Debbie, I'm not willing to have that conversation. Okay, I, I'm with you all the way, and I, I quote that so often. It, is, it was so profound and, and so uh, really prophetic, because he could see, even back then, when if he could see America now, if Ronald Reagan could see America now, he'd think, wow, you know, we really just kept going over, the, over that over cliff. The cliff. We just kept on going. We, we didn't get soft I, at all. And I mean, and we saw it with Carter, and then we elect Obama with his fundamental transformation. It was a transformation to destruction. Right. And right. then after the eight years of Obama, then we do it again? I know. Well, actually, I, we don't have to discuss it. I don't think we did it again. I think the election was stolen, but we don't have to go there. I, I think the American people overwhelmingly chose Trump. That on, you know, but they, on but the we're suffering, agenda, the we are suffering the consequences of this administration. I'll tell you, one of the main leaders I know from a Tea Party movement was saying, you know, he hadn't been politically involved at all. He got out of college, got a business school, got businesses going. And he was in an airport and he heard Obama speaking. I don't know if it was in a prior to the election uh, speech or as he was elected. And he just said, I recognize that talk. That's communism. I mean, he recognized it from, you know, a few words Obama was saying. And I just, I think there are more Americans who wake up now because of what Biden is doing to this country. I mean, we have one guest on our show who frequently says, He's taking a wrecking ball to everything American, a wrecking ball to this country, and you better wake up and fight it. And I was telling you before we started, I'm going to hit one more topic today, but um, before we start, I was telling you, I did an interview on uh, somebody else's show a little earlier today, and the closing question that he asked was, well, you know, if there's one thing you want to tell people, you know, uh, what's the message? And, and I, I really, we had been on other topics, I didn't really have something in mind. So after we hung up, I'm thinking, dang, so here's my answer. Because I do think it matters because I, I get this after speeches all the time. What can we do? I say, you know, what you got to understand is we're, we in America right now are in a fight for the future of freedom. 
and you have to see it that way and get in the fight. Do not give up. Do not back down. Do not surrender. Understand this is a fight right now for the future of freedom, and we're either going to save America or lose it. But don't get disheartened. Don't, no matter what events occur or some election outcome seems wrong, you're, what you're fighting for is not just one candidate, just one issue, is the fight for preservation of America. No. Stay in the fight. And uh, I think most Americans are actually with us. And I, I'd like to personalize it. It's the future of our children and our grandchildren. And I'll tell you, Proverbs 24:16 has become my new life verse. Okay. A righteous may fall seven times and gets up again. I refuse to stay down. You got two choices when you fall down. And we all stumble and fall. But you can either stay down there feeling sorry for yourself or you can get up with twice the determination. I will continue to choose the second one. I will not stay down no matter how many times I get knocked down. I'm going to get up with twice the determination. And I, every American needs to do the same. The future of America is in our hands. Right. Don't pass the buck to somebody else. Each and every one of us needs to own it and move forward. And it is up to us. I, I, thousand percent with you. Amen. Could not agree more. Rafael Cruz, thank you so much for coming in today. I knew this would be inspiring. It was even more so than I thought it could be. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Debbie. So blessed. L Such a blessing to be you. with you. Great to see you. Okay, folks, I'm going to hit two. I want a quick topic. Yesterday at the end of the show, I played that little video. We're not going to play it today, but I played a little video. It was. It took place. It was actually a real video uh, in Africa, and these hyenas were attacking a female lion. She's all by herself, and there are you know 20 hyenas, and obviously the hyenas are winning the battle. She, they're taking down this this uh, one lone. Uh, lion um, and then other lions showed up so one other lion comes charging in picks off one hyena other and pretty soon the lions are all there and the hyenas are, are chased off and scattered and it, that floated around telegram and other conservative places with the message being when you see your fellow conservatives attacked by the hyenas in left-wing media and the twitter mob every place that conservatives are attacked don't just stand back and say gee that's really unfair they shouldn't be saying that stand up stand up for the conservatives that, that whether it's a talk show host a candidate an elected official anyone who's out there in the fight even if they misstep or they say something that you wouldn't have said it that way understand the left the hyenas the communists and this on the american left who are the radical left who are taking this country down they function like hyenas they gang up on one they think is weak and they can pick them off don't let anyone be subject to them be part of the fight against them okay last topic i want to hit today um i i called voting for freedom with with our feet and the reason i want to tell you about this is um I, I, as you know, if you listen to the show very often, we have talked about COVID and the COVID mandates and the COVID passports and, and the entire restriction on our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness coming out of the government based on COVID, which still has, may I remind you, a 99.8% survival rate for nearly everybody and a many, many treatments available, very effective. You do not need to wait until you're dying and show up at the hospital. And so, and these vaccines, which have, which were, developed at you know warp speed and are of concern to great people i'm not judging anyone whether you want a vaccine or not a vaccine this is not a medical show this is a show about freedom in america and preserving freedom and what we're watching out of the government in washington related to COVID is flat out tyranny so i wanted to show you something because 
you start to think, because the way the media reports things, that everybody else is on board with all the tyranny coming out of Washington, whether it is a tyranny based on COVID and vaccine passports. And, I'll, and I, I want to mention before, hold on, Mr. Becker, one more second. I want before you show this great, um, I think it's uh, clip one. Before I show you that, I will tell you that we mentioned in New York City now that you can't go to a restaurant, grocery store, bar. You can't go anywhere without a COVID passport on your phone. And so my friend who was there recently, I mean, everywhere you go, you have to pull it out and, oh yeah, okay, you got a vaccine. Otherwise you can't go anywhere. And so, you know, you're thinking, well, the people in New York City, you know, they, they, I guess they think it's okay with them, but that's not true. There are protests going on in New York City. There are people they recently had, I believe I played the video for you, at least told you about the uh, military officers who went into Cheesecake Factory. A bunch of them went in together. So, look, we just want to get, you know, something to eat and a drink. They were arrested, taken out in handcuffs. Same next day that happened with uh, military people showing up at Panera Bread, uh, arrest another restaurant, and got arrested and taken out with handcuffs. But I will tell you that this, this is spreading, this leftism, and again, as I've told you many times, all of the COVID restrictions are not about protecting your health. They're about removing from society the spirit of freedom, the belief of the individual, the God, that you have the right, as we said in our very founding of this country, you, you as an individual have the right to live in freedom. The point of all of these COVID restrictions are to drive that love of and belief in your right to freedom out of American society. This is a very much left-wing move. So on top of that, the Boston mayor, uh, whose name is Michelle Wu, she announced yesterday, I guess, they're going full vaccine Nazi, I guess starting in February, you won't be allowed to go to restaurants, et cetera, unless you have their uh, vaccine passport. Uh, you also had to happen, the mayor, the Boston mayor, um, uh, Michelle Wu, and then the Chicago mayor uh, made a similar announcement. She, they're gonna have, I'm not sure when their thing is starting. So you have these mayors saying, yeah, we're actually gonna, we're gonna crack down. We're gonna repeat what New York is doing. But I wanna show you more than what you, you may think, well, I guess everyone's going along with this. Am I the only one who thinks this is really bad? Not really. So Mr. Becker, I sent you, I think is clip one. Why don't you show you, this is a record. This is actually comes from the uh, United States Census, where people in America are moving. So here you go. This is from the US Census. Those really, really pretty purple states, you know, like Texas, these are states where people are coming to, population change, uh, people coming to the purple states, uh, and people are coming to the purple states because of freedom. People are leaving the blue, I mean, leaving aside the colors on this map, people are leaving tyranny, they're leaving the blue states, they're leaving the highly regulated ones, and they're seeking freedom, they're voting with their feet. Purple states are the ones growing the most. Uh, light purple or whatever you call that, lavender next. Uh, and then down to the, the very bottom, uh, you can see the key on the left, the very bottom, that, that bright orange, um, it should be bright red for communism. But anyway, those states, the most restrictive states of all, are losing population. And this is Census Bureau data. Again, this is not just speculation. And so you see California, uh, Illinois, Chicago, and New York are losing the most people. And I want to show that, okay, thank you, Mr. Becker. Um, I want to show you that because I really want you to believe that the American people are not okay. They are not okay with what the Biden administration is doing. They're not okay with these COVID passports and COVID mandates. They do not want to have the government move toward it. They're now talking about moving toward having the COVID uh, passport be required for a flight on an airline. I, I mean, the people are not with the government. And 
I want to encourage you about that because everything, all the tension we're seeing on the subject of COVID and what restrictions will apply and how they're going to do mandates is only going to increase. It is increasing. There, this is a this is seen by the left as a they, they have finally seized power. They have an issue they believe they can control the people using using this issue. The people will be controlled. They'll be too, so fearful. The intent of having the American people fearful has been successful to a certain degree, uh, not to the, the degree the left would hope. In fact, I think the left leftists who've been coordinating all of this are surprised how much pushback they're getting from the American people. I think they thought this COVID thing was a, this is it, we've got them. We've got them scared to death, you know, scared to step out of their house, scared to go anywhere. We wait and tell them what, you know, where, where they're allowed to go. And we've just, we've won the battle. This is what I think many leftists thought. But to use a sports analogy, my extremely wonderful husband um, uses all the time. And by the way, it's really fun. Sports analogies are fun especially if you didn't know anything about them and then you learn about them. So my husband who loves football and basketball, um, there's an expression people use about coaches when the team will no longer listen to the coach. And so, and you could even, he'll watch a game and say, you know, he, the, he's lost the team. That's the expression. The team no longer trusts the coach. They don't like him and they won't listen to him and they won't do what he's saying. And so when this happens and schools recognize it and NFL teams recognize it, the coach has lost the team and the only solution is to get the coach out of there. Get a new coach come in who uh, come into that position that, that the uh, players will listen to. Joe Biden and Anthony Fauci and the radical American left who's taken over in Washington, they have lost the team. The American people, they have lost it and they know it. They know the American people don't like what they're doing. They know the American people are not going to continue to put up with more and more tyranny. And now we move forward with Omicron, which, uh, you know, the latest scary variant. I want to say something else about viruses. Before I, um, I mentioned this before, but I'll tell you very quickly. So a really good friend of mine, uh, years and years ago, uh, went to grad school to get a degree in environmental toxicology. Okay, can you imagine anything more gross? I would never do that. Of course, she would never go to law school, so I guess we're even. So she gets this degree, a master's degree in environmental toxicology, and during the time she was at school, she's telling me, especially first year, she said, I had no idea how many viruses exist. She said, if you begin to understand the world of viruses, I mean, there are far more kinds of viruses and, and the, the population and their ability to replicate themselves and to grow. She said, you just have no idea. She said she sat in the class one day thinking, how did humankind ever survive? I mean, these viruses are deadly. They're everywhere. And she said, and they've been around forever. They've been around forever. And so moving back to where we are now, we have COVID-19, which was created in a lab in China. It is a bioweapon, not a naturally occurring virus. But we have moving forward all these mutations and new viruses, and then we were into Delta, and now we're into Omicron. And the Omicron virus is a the latest you know, name that's supposed to get people all alarmed and, and respond with fear like the government's trying to get you to do. The Omicron virus, the people who've gone through it and had it, are literally saying it's kind of like a bad cold. I mean. I had the sniffles, you know, I uh, had a little cough, didn't feel that great. It, it's a nothing burger in terms of being a threat. One person in America has died of Omicron. And yet, due to the name and the, the sense the left has that they can use fear of viruses 
to, to instill more tyranny. Omicron now is the basis for states moving forward again, talking about, well, you know, we better shut down. We, we have the New York governor talking about Omicron. It's going to be so dangerous. Can't have school, can't have this, can't have that. Leftists are using this virus, COVID-19 and Omicron and any other new virus uh, there is to instill and perpetuate and advance their agenda of tyranny, of destroying the sense, the, the idea within the people's minds that they have the right to live in freedom. Once you recognize this, you begin to rebel. And this Omicron stuff is, is especially absurd because the survival rate is pretty much everybody. It's a very mild thing. Now it happens to be very contagious, just like I assume in some years, a flu virus. There's not just one flu viruses or many flu viruses and some are more contagious. Okay, but if you in the past did not sit in your home and isolate in fear and wear a mask followed by a, I don't know what, you know, a, a uh, astronaut's uh, you know, outfit or something to keep you safe. If you didn't do that under the flu, why are you even thinking about it under Omicron? Well, I'm telling you more Americans, even ones really afraid last year and very afraid about COVID and very much willing to succumb to whatever the government said to do, they're waking up. They're realizing you cannot continue to use Omicron or any other virus to tell me whether I have freedom, whether I can go to the grocery store, whether I can go to the movies. So the left is pushing to expand tyranny with Omicron, using Omicron as an excuse. And the conservatives, the, the more wide awake, are not even, are just unwilling to comply with the growing tyranny, recognizing it's unjustified. It is unjustified. And I love, you hear more and more people talking about just, these aren't like legal scholars and lawyers. These are average Americans just saying, I have the right to live in liberty. I mean, you hear the, the street, man on the street interview. Well, are, are they crazy? They're gonna tell me I can't go out of my house. I can't open my business. I can't go to the store. I can't go to the restaurant because of a virus that basically is like a flu. So I think that the left has been exposed. I think this Omicron, I think left has overplayed their hand. I think that the, as they, you know, they've lost the team. The, the radical left has lost the American people. So I think we're on a good path. But I do want to encourage you as we move in toward uh, 2022, uh, that there will not be, the, the left is not going to back down lightly. They're not going to say, well, you know, we really, um, you know, now that we think about it, I guess we did kind of overplay. They see this, they see this as their opportunity to change the whole culture and fabric of America to destroy the American spirit of freedom and the, the just inherent assumption because I'm an American and I live here, I have the right to live in liberty. They want to destroy that concept and they had, they thought they had America based on this, uh, on this Omicron, COVID, et cetera, emergency, but the American people um, are waking up. And I really, I encourage you to be awake. I'm gonna remind you two last things. Um, okay, three last things. Uh, one is that I want to remind you about the interview we had last week or two weeks ago, uh, which is a doctor in um, Oklahoma. Doctor, I lose his name, Mark, not Robinson. Anyway, whatever. Sherwood. Thank Dr. you very Mark much. Sherwood. Sherwood. <laughs> this is Ziggy weighing into my ear, Dr. Sherwood. He's a doctor in Oklahoma. He has treated over 9,500 COVID patients, not lost one. He's saying the entire reaction to COVID is absurd and overstated. And so he's not lost one out of 9,500 patients and he's running for governor of Oklahoma. And his answer when I said to him, how do we ever get out of this COVID tyranny? He's saying it has to be in the states. It has to be because if he wins the governor's race in Oklahoma and other conservative governors can take charge in the red states, it has to be a standing up by the states to Washington saying, not doing it. 
We don't care if you take away our, our highway money. We don't care if you take away other money coming to our state. No more mandates, no more vaccine mandates, no more vaccine passports, no more mask mandates, nothing. Zip, zero, nada, nothing. Um, and, and I'm telling you, this, this, uh, I love the spirit of that because I do think at the federal level, there's nothing that we are gonna be able to do between now and the end at the federal level between 20 and now and the elections of 2022. The left is dead on determined they have to win the uh, election of 2022. Now, Rafael Cruz is still sitting here, wrote me a note, and I'm just gonna tell you, because he's right, he wrote on it, the midterm virus is coming. You recall last year when we had to have the elections stolen, the election of 2020 were stolen in large part because the left used the existence of the non-emergency COVID to mandate all of these new procedures related to mail-in ballots where there was this massive fraud. There'll be some new reason we can't have elections in person this year. Don't go for it this time. Pressure state your elected officials. Do not surrender to this um, as the uh, left wants you to do. I also want to tell you another place of pushback, and I think I said, Mr. Becker, did I send you that, that clip of Fauci? I think I did. Yeah, okay. So Fauci um, is, was interviewed in some show recently, and he was talking about, you know, the airlines are even saying, we have cleaner air on these airlines than, uh, than in most places because we have all these massive purifying technology rolling along. So saying, you know, asking this interview is asking Dr. Fauci, do you think we're going to have to wear masks? Like, you know, when's this going to end? If we can hit that clip. Uh, several of the, of the top, you know, the, the CEOs of the top airlines said that on an airplane, you are actually safer uh, than you are uh, in an ICU. The, the protection with the filters, filtration system they have, they were suggesting that there really isn't much of a need for a mask on an airplane. Are we going to get to the point where we won't have to wear masks on airplanes? I don't think so. I think when you're dealing with a closed space, even though the filtration is good, that you want to go that extra step. Okay, I want to remind you something in closing out today um, that was at, said at my summit. I had that summit here in Dallas in September and one of the doctors here uh, who spoke, he's a Houston doctor and he was, uh, he actually treated, successfully treated a nursing home full of senior citizens who all got COVID and he made it, he, he gave really eloquent remarks at my summit. One thing he said, this is Dr. Robin Armstrong, as he said, you have to understand, there will always be a new virus, there will be a new variant, there will be a new booster shot, there will be a new vaccine. And he said, this will never end unless we make it end. And I, want, I can't stress to you how strongly you have to embrace that fact. You're, the left uses fear to get people worked up into, you know, afraid to leave their home, wait to be told what to do. And the government will always have something new to come along, some new variant, some new mutation, some new who knew, made in some other lab in China, and will end up perpetually under the thumb of the left. And the only way to rebel is to rebel, to say no. And, and on Dr. Fauci, you know, he's advocating these airlines continue the mass mandate. Dates. I, I wish, you know, he's not in charge, by the way. He doesn't have authority in his role uh, to, to dictate to the airlines. It'd be great to have the airlines just stand up and say, no, actually not doing it, not doing the mass mandates. Okay, before we go to why it matters to you, which I love closing the end of every show, I want to say, uh, first I want to ask uh, Mr. Becker if we can briefly talk about my pillow, And I'll just tell you the short story. This show has been on air since 2014. 
I have had wonderful sponsors, and I appreciate that. Come back to me one second. We'll go to Mr. Hibbert one second. So we've had this show since 2014. I've never been paid one penny for doing it. As my husband points out, I used to be a litigator in a major corporate law firm. I got, you know, I work harder now than I did then practicing law because I think what's happening to America is more consequential than most people realize. So to support this show, if you're a donor to the show, thank you so very much. We need donors to this show. You can go to americacanwetalk.org and on the homepage, hit that donate button. And I'm telling you, I don't take a salary. It all goes to covering the cost of having this beautiful studio and these wonderful guests and all that we do to make the show special for you. So I love your donations and support. I really appreciate that. Second, if you just don't want a straight out donation, you can do shopping at MyPillow.com. Now I'll bring back Mr. Lindell. So here's the straight scoop. This company, MyPillow.com, I will not brag about one product I haven't tried myself because we order these things ourselves. The pillows are super duper quality, small, medium, and large, you know, soft, uh, hard, and extra hard, whatever the things are. I, I mean, sleeping is a really great skill of mine. I have no need for a special pillow, but people who do have a hard time sleeping love these pillows. So you can order pillows, you can order bathrobes. We have great bathrobes we wear all the time slippers their towels are first rate actually great towels so i urge you to if you would like to support this show one way to do it go to mypillow.com use a promo code at the end before you hit your order uh hit put in debbie g and you get up to 66 percent off it's a way to support this show and i appreciate if you would consider doing that it's a way to support this show you get a great discount in price up to 66 percent you get great products i get a small little uh donation to the show for everything you purchase would love to have you do that okay my last thing before i why it matters to you is i want to say merry christmas i will not be back until after christmas again next show is thursday december 30th i hope you all have a wonderful holy precious fun happy relaxing christmas i tell you we had a little christmas gathering last year at our house and a lot of people came really political and you know always talking with us about political things this one guy at the end he's leaving he said i just want to thank you for an evening where all we did was celebrate christmas we sang christmas carols we ate cookies we talked we laughed there's just just to put away the fear the concerns of the world for at least a day or maybe a couple days and enjoy christmas and the true meaning of christmas so merry christmas to you and then we'll turn to why it matters to you, which we always close the show with. So we turn with Sidney Powell, the Renewal, Why It Matters, an apolitical, spiritually inspired event in Florida on January 8th, the Renewal. Reflects Ms. Powell's conviction that America cannot be fixed by politicians or the military, but by spiritual renewal, turning back to God for repentance, reconciliation, restoration, revival, and reformation. Few Americans have stood up for the Constitution and liberty more visibly and forcefully than Sidney Powell. And few have taken more arrows from the leftist mob, but she does not fear and she does not quit. This is true patriotism, an example for all Americans. And go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and on the homepage, under shows, drop down list of links that will tell you how to get your ticket to that conference for a mere $25. And we also talk about voting for freedom with their feet. This map we showed you does not lie. Americans are fleeing blue states for free states. New York City, Boston, and Chicago are implementing vaccine passports. Only Karens are happy about it. The disapproval polls are consistent. Americans do not want the Biden agenda. Pandemic fatigue and cynicism have set in. Americans aren't buying Omicron hysteria. The coach has lost the team, means the players aren't listening and won't follow, and the coach has to be replaced. 
or the team would just keep losing. Joe Biden and Anthony Fauci have lost the American people. 2022 will be a transformative year. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk? Truth about America.